0: Hey everyone, this is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34, he leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to ringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John, which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Sharks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for the ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop john from talking about his passions it's one of the things i loved about him over the last few months you know whenever we would talk whenever i would reach out to see how he was doing i would try to keep it very john focused and the next thing i knew we would be talking about james harden or better call saul he really loved this stuff uh he loved talking about it celebrating it debating it illuminating it we're gonna keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening.
1: It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved QuickBets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets, and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler visit rg-help.com. Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Show. Austin Gale here with the man, the myth legend, Roger Sherman, college football aficionado who beat me to a pulp in week two. We disagreed on two bets last week. I had Florida minus five and a half against Kentucky. That was disgusting. Anthony Richardson looked terrible. And then I also thought my guy Tanner McKee and the Stanford Cardinal with Emmett Smith's son would fumble the game away and play terrible against USC. USC really opened it up. Week one, they did nothing. Week two, they had the deep passing game. They were thrown across the yard. I was dead wrong on those Florida and Stanford bets, and I have nothing but to uh, tip my cap to you, Roger.
2: Well, I- I'm glad that you laid it out so graciously that I that I beat you week one. <laughs> you know what? My favorite thing about gambling is like getting off to a good start, and then just us like, no matter what happens the rest of the way, I'll think I'm doing a good job. Like I got off, I, I beat Austin week one. My pick of the week was right. UTSA Roadrunners, beep, beep. Uh, So I'm ready to keep it going, and no matter what happens, I will probably uh, be very happy.
1: That is phenomenal. My pick of the week did hit as well. Oregon State continues to pull through for me. Specifically, Chance Nolan continues to pull through for me in Pac-12 after dark. On the season, I'm up 5.32 units on the year in NCAA bets. NCAA bets across 27 bets, but week two, only up 1.97 units because I lost a lot to you, Rogers. On to this week, NCAA week three. This is an unexciting week, in my opinion. I hate to, it's it's bad podcast content, but I don't think there are a lot of really, really good games. I tried to highlight three that I really wanted to talk about kicking off with BYU going to Autzen Stadium to take on the Oregon Ducks. Oregon Ducks right now favored by three and a half. I think it opened at a flat three, now out to three and a half in the total set at 57 and a half. Look, I'll say this. BYU looks legit. Jaron Hall, the quarterback for BYU, is a phenomenal, talented quarterback. And he didn't even have his two starting receivers last week. Puka Nasua, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that right. And then Gunnar Romney, both missed last week's game against Baylor. And they still won. That was a bet I got wrong. I thought Baylor would cover the plus four. BYU wins outright. I really like BYU and that offense. Defensively, I think it's bad. But so is Oregon. Oregon doesn't have a good defense. And they arguably have the worst quarterback in this situation. But Bo Nix has not proven all that worthy this season. I worry about betting on BYU as a dog on the road. I know how difficult it is to play in Austin stadium, but there's not a lot of me that wants to back Oregon and Bo Nix. If there's a side I like, it's probably the over on the total at 57 and a half, but I don't really have a strong lean anywhere in this game. Where, where's your lean?
2: Yeah, it's really close here. I'm, I'm taking BYU plus 3.5, especially once you move from that three to the 3.5, that's always nice. Um, it's really tough to get a read on Oregon because doing that involves breaking down what you expect a regular good team to do against Georgia. You know, they were just absolutely pantsed and lost in every part of the game against Georgia. Um, what would a regular team do in that situation? I suspect a pretty similar thing. Georgia was really firing on all cylinders, but the BYU defense I thought was just awesome against Baylor they they brought pressure they ruined what Baylor was trying to, to do uh offensively they couldn't get any deep shots and i i think Oregon is a team that's struggled to have any explosive plays even against Eastern Washington last week they put up 70 points but they they weren't you know do they 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 were just breaking out for huge touchdowns uh and and i think BYU is a good position. Also, great performance from the uh, freshman wide receiver who stepped in last week for BYU. Chase Roberts got 122 yards. So I'm I'm leaning towards BYU plus 3.5. That's my pick here.
1: I I think I'll I'll ride that with you. It's not a strong lean. I probably would put a half unit on that. I think if I have to bet on this game, I'm probably taking the over. I don't think either defense is going to be. Overwhelming. I think both teams are gonna have to score and score big. I think that's why the total's out to 57 and a half compared to these next games at 40 or lower or 45 or lower totals. I like BYU plus three and a half, half unit. I think I'm gonna go full unit on the over 57 and a half. You brought up Chase Roberts, not great gambling content, but did that guy have the most punchable face you've seen in a BYU uniform in a while? I don't know if you saw him without his helmet, but it was it was absurd to see his. I, I just think he has one of those like BYU white receiver faces. I was just like, I hate this guy. I didn't, I, I liked that he was scoring for BYU, did not like his face. All right, Miami at Texas A&M. <laughs> texas a and i A&M, I'm going to move past that. Texas A&M, minus five and a half at home after what only could be described as an absolute disappointment at home against App State. Did you see, I wish I gave the audio to Stefan, our producer, before the show, so we could layer it in. But did you see the the um, what is that what is that the the call sh- you know call, uh, yell practice video from Texas A and M where they're doing all those terrible jokes in the stadium that went a little bit viral before Texas A and M started taking it down?
2: Yeah, so that's kind of a problem Texas A and M gets itself into uh, several times per year, where their shtick is that one of their thousands upon thousands of Texas A and M traditions is that they do corny jokes about their opponent before every game and uh when they lose you know (laughs) those jokes are going to go onto the internet and they this has happened several times now over the past years people discovering uh how unique if you're from texas adeb you'll say unique if you're from any place else you'll say just weird as hell um And terrible
1: and terrible. Can we we not (laughs) sugarcoat it as weird? It is awful. Like none of the jokes are good. You mentioned, so Google search or Twitter search, Texas A&M Yell Practice. You'll see probably the latest video. They do it before home games. There is a joke in there where the guy's trying to get the crowd going. It sounds like there's eight people there, but there's probably like a thousand plus. He's like, Appalachia, that's not a state one of the worst jokes i've ever heard they deserve to lose that game on the yell practice alone but and they 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 came, they came, they came through ahead.
2: by being pretty disappointing in every possible way on the football field i mean 180 yards of total offense against app state and um you're thinking wow a terrible game by the offense and it was but i think it's mainly on the defense uh they app state ran 82 plays uh a&m only ran 38 uh you're you're going to lose a game like that where the other team is running twice as many plays as you. They could not get them off the field. Um, The quarterback Haynes King, not really sure he's the guy Uh, just a disappointing team. And there, there hasn't really been a moment uh, this year, you know, that, that makes them see legit. Even the week one, they did not cover the spread against Houston state. They won 31, nothing. But right now I'm I'm going with Miami because I'm very skeptical. I'm going with Miami five point plus five point five because I'm skeptical of this AM team in in pretty much every facet of the game.
1: Yeah, so they lose to App State. Texas AM loses to App State 1714 at home after a laughable in the wrong way Yell practice. And for me, Haynes King looked awful. Defensively, they couldn't get off the field on third down. And offensively, two for eight on third downs. Really struggled to convert there. They got outgained by App State by, I think, over 100 yards. And when you look back, this App State team at home in Boone allowed more than 60 points to UNC. Like, it's not like this App State defense is, you know, staunch and proven or all of those things. Like, a team the previous week had, you know, run all over them and threw all over them. That was uh, UNC the previous week. So I worry about the Texas a and team. The reason I don't want to, like, wholesale two three unit back Miami plus five and a half with objectively the better quarterback and Tyler Van Dyke and an offense that I think has played well so far this year is that I feel like it's such a public bet. I think a lot of public money is going to be on Miami. I think Texas am two is going to have to, their backs against the wall, really going to have to win here against Miami. I think the total at 45 and a half is probably where I lean again. Like I don't like the dog here. I don't like the road dog in Miami to cover the plus five and a half a lot. But with the total, I think it goes over 45 and a half. I think it's going to um, uh, be a higher scoring game than, than predicted. I think Miami's going to put up points. I think Texas AM is going to have to get into a shootout with Tyler Van Dyke. Do you know how many Cal times a-
2: Texas AM has been in the red zone this year? I do not know that. One. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. So they, they're leading the nation with 100% red zone efficiency. They scored a touchdown the one time. <laughs> But their last place in amount of times in the red zone they have only gotten there once. They did not get there at all against Man. Appalachian State
1: and red zone and like red zone entrances are such a consistent more consistent stat than even red zone efficiency right like if you're one for five in the red zone you're gonna you know that you're gonna see that possibly regress versus getting to the red zone is a totally different story Tech saying ah man if that total is gonna have to get over they're gonna have to get in the red zone a lot more than that at home the Yelp practice needs to be better the jokes need to be better yeah Texas they need to, to they need back.
2: to they need to work on their jokes and they need to work on right. their football.
1: That's perfect. I think that's perfect. Uh, last game, and then we'll get to some closing segments here. Cal at Notre Dame. A little bit of a snore fest here, but I think we just had to bring this up because of Notre Dame. Notre Dame will be without starting quarterback Tyler Buckner. Chris Pine is going to start in this one. And I wrote my notes here. Everything's on fire in Notre Dame. You know, Pine starting. Marcus Freeman's 0-3 in his you know head coaching era now, going back to last season. And then you look at He was promising wins pregame to fans. You know, what better place to get our first win than here in our home stadium in South Bend before this game against Marshall and lost to Marshall. Marshall was a 20 and a half point favorite and they lost. The offense looked terrible. I think the offensive coordinator could be on the hot seat here. This is a really, really bad start for Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame fighting Irish. I think a lot of that is offensively. Even with Buckner not playing well, I think the offensive system, the offensive game plans have been really simple and led to very few points. On the other side, Cal has played well out of the gate, right? Against really bad competition, but they have played generally well. This total's all the way down at 40 and a half, and Notre Dame favored by 10 and a half. It feels like another public bet to bet Cal at plus 10 and a half. Are you going three consecutive dogs here, and do you have any lean on the total at 40 and a half?
2: No, actually, I'm I'm going with Notre Dame here. Uh, Minus 10 and a half. It's one of my favorite bets of the week. Uh, I, I... you've got to weigh these sort of two teams we've seen out of Notre Dame because they did play surprisingly well against Ohio State. They were leading that game until late in the third quarter. And Cal, last week, they got the win, but they played UNLV, which is one of the worst, worst teams in the FBS. They were ranked 117th in SP plus before the season. And... In the closing minutes of the game, they were up by 6 points and UNLV had the ball on the 8 yard line. They very easily could have lost at home to one of the worst teams in the country. Um I'm not saying Notre Dame is a playoff team again this year. I'm just saying I think the 10 and a half is a bit of an overreaction to that embarrassing result against Marshall. I also think Marshall is is probably a, they they had a lot of Power 5 talent, a lot of transfers into the program. Um great results from them, but more talented team that people are giving them credit for. I'm, I think Notre Dame wins this game easily over Cal, even though everything's I, I, going gonna, wrong with them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to ride that way too. I just think it's too much, too much public perception driving that number from 10.5. That I think if they if they beat Marshall, I think that number is closer to 14.5. You know, I think that number is a lot higher if they beat Marshall and there isn't so much public money, maybe betting a dog on the road there. I don't know if I'm touching the total either. I, I think 40 and a half. Is really low. I think there's a lower total that we're about to talk about in this next game, but 40 and a half, really low total. Probably a lot of betting models seeing value on the over, but I'm probably staying away from the total and just taking Notre Dame minus 10 and a half. All right. Last week we had the fade to the rainbow segment. We said fade to the rainbows. They're not gonna, they're, they're they're not going to cover 51 and a half points. They do they do cover 51 and a half points <laughs> against so, Michigan, which I guess- it was
2: close. <laughs> it was I think it was 46. It was uh what was it fifty 51 to seven yeah so or yeah I you know, think it, yeah that's that's a great moment in gambling history where you set the line at uh, 56 to 10 sorry so it was a 40 mm-hmm. the spread was 51 and a half they lost by 46 I I just love when even though that one didn't go my way when gambling uh, puts asks you these ridiculous questions and they're so close to the answer and I would like to answer another ridiculous question right now the question <laughs> of whether Iowa versus Nevada can hit the over of 38.5 points, the lowest in college football this week. America needs unders. If you look on Iowa's hats, uh, helmets, they say America needs farmers, AF. We're talking America needs unders. Iowa, two games this year, they have scored 14 total points. They have scored one touchdown. This last week against Iowa State, they scored a touchdown. The previous week, they beat South Dakota State seven three without scoring a touchdown. They had a field goal and two safeties. So this is a team that is spectacular on defense. Um, cannot do anything on offense because Kirk Ferentz has hired his son as the offensive coordinator, and you know, not the brightest, not the brightest son. Looking like um, so, <laughs> we we've got this really crazy low number thirty eight point five. And even though Iowa has looked so bad on offense and so good on defense, the, the team they're playing, Nevada, which I've now pronounced two separate ways in two times, I'll need to check I appreciate
1: on that. the versatility.
2: Yeah, they uh they played Incarnate Word at FCS team last week, and they lost 55-41, to 41, almost hit 100 points <laughs> in that game. So... The question is, can Iowa score against a team that gave up 55 points to an FCS team last week? I honestly, I'm, I can't believe I'm doing it, but I, I'm gonna bet the over on on Iowa versus Nevada because 38.5 is so low, and this Nevada team is clearly decent at moving the ball. I don't know if they could do it against Iowa, but just incredibly bad on on defense uh, and. What's really funny to me is that the spread in this game is 22.5 because like that presupposes that Iowa can even score 23 points, which I, I'm not sure they can, but we'll find out. I'm, I'm, I'm riding with the over, but again, it's a fascinating philosophy, philosophical football question of the week is can, can Iowa get there? Do you have a take here?
1: I, I, it's funny that you bring up you know Kirk Ferentz's son as the offensive coordinator. I think on the last episode, I pounded the table saying, you know in that Iowa State-Iowa game where I took Iowa State on the money line and Iowa State against the spread plus three and a half recall? where they won outright, I said Spencer Petras is the worst quarterback in the country. He is. He is the worst quarterback in the country. Do you know of the 131 FBS teams which team ranks last in EPA per dropback? It is the Iowa freaking Hawkeyes. They are bad offensively and a lot of that is Petrus, And I don't think it's getting that much better against Nevada. I think it's absurd to see a line where they're 22 and a half point favorites and the total set at 38 and a half. That really is uh an incredible feature. It's asking a crazy question. And it's so hard for me to bet the over. I'm taking the under. I, I think I'm going under here. I'm going under. I think All I think right. it- it's gonna be I-, I I think Iowa wins. I'm not picking, I'm not betting against Iowa winning this game, but it- it's in my opinion, with how Ferris's is Kong plays, the conservatism there, they don't want to throw the football they want to run the football they're running back their starter is playing more than 40 snaps a game right now they are going to look to get to a two possession lead and probably sit on it and the defense i think is good enough i wouldn't be surprised if this game ended something like 10 14 0 20 at the most i i'm going under the 38 and a half and then continue you know they, you, know, they, you know, was asked about petrus this week he's like are you going to continue to start him he's like yeah it's like i it's the biggest question in the fbs how does a team have a lower epa for dropback than navy you know, it's a power five team. It's, um, it's hard to really see. Last thing here, we'll close on this. One touchdown
2: and nine picks. He has one touchdown and nine picks in the last (laughs) nine games.
1: Oh man. Last, last one here. And then we'll jump to Raheem and I going over Thursday night football, a big matchup. Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers at home. I'm going to give you a total. I like every single week. And this week it is the under 64 and a half Ole Miss at Georgia tech, both. Of these offenses are middle of the pack, in EPA per play, Georgia Tech 111, so maybe not so middle, Mississippi more towards the middle of the 130 FBS teams, very low early down pass rates for both these teams, Jackson Dart might start this game, he started week one, but didn't start week two, the starter in week two got hurt in the second quarter, that's Luke Outlier, right now they don't know who's going to start, and on the other side, Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech quarterback, looks terrible. Georgia Tech needs a run game to flow if they're going to score points. I don't think they do it against Ole Miss. I like the under 64.5, and I'm surprised the total is this high. Do you have a lean on that game? Have you looked at that game at all?
2: Um, I'm looking more towards um, uh, the spread Ole Miss covering. I think it's 11.5 now. Really don't have a lot of faith in Georgia Tech. Um, I, I, I need to learn your ways with betting totals. I I They mystify me. <laughs> I, I could always justify it both ways. And I've tried to break it with Iowa. Totals are tough. I
1: was talking with it uh, earlier uh, on this same feed. You should go check out the Wednesday show on the ringer gambling sheet with Warren, Sh- Warren sharp. And we talked a lot about early down pass rates, you know, er- early down efficiency, early down EPA per play, you know, uh pace, you know, how often, how many plays per game are you running? That's more important in college than it is in the NFL. You see a lot more no huddle teams, teams that are running like 80 plus plays per game. Um, and that that's a lot of the key numbers I look for, key data that I look at when trying to like predict a total over under because you need you need that and you need team you need drives that go to the fifty and punt. You don't need like such terrible offenses to the point where you're getting defensive touchdowns and defensive scores and better field position for the opposing team. All that stuff. A lot goes into it, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. But I'm going under 64.5 and a half Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. That's gonna do it. I'm excited to go over college football. We're on to week three, baby. Let's get to Raheem Palmer on Thursday Night Football. Finally, now back in Las Vegas, Raheem, the Dream Palmer, joins the show. Excited to have you here on Thursday night. I'll say this. I got absolutely doused in flames in on the opening Thursday night. Bills versus the Rams. I had the over that did not hit. I had Stefan Diggs over receiving yards that did hit. A lot of my other bets, they were tied in some teaser legs. The Rams I had in some teaser legs. I did not, get, did not do well there. I finished week one, 14 bets in the NFL, including multiple losses on that Thursday night, up 7.17 units though. So I'm ready to rock here this second week. I'm excited to talk this Thursday night game. Chiefs versus the Chargers. How's Vegas treating you and how did week one treat you?
3: Well, I just landed in Vegas like literally like an hour ago. Um, I picked up the, the car, drove to the Cosmo. So, you know, life is good in Vegas thus far. And you know, I did my radio hit. Now we're recording this. But week one was amazing. I mean, if you guys listen to the top five NFL picks podcast that I use for my contest, I obviously went four and one my contest picks. But I mean, the only loss we had was the Eagles, and it took them blowing a 17.4th quarter lead to get there. But, I mean, we also hit on the Giants' money line, and we also hit on the Bucks under. And then all of our teaser legs hit. So we were about, you know, 7, 8, and 1 on Sunday, and we crushed it. I mean, obviously, like you, I did have the over last Thursday. And that was extremely disappointing because, I mean— Buffalo probably could have put up 50 points on their own, but I mean, they had a ton of turnovers. You know how it is week one, a lot of rustiness, but I mean, we had a great week one. So hopefully we can continue that momentum onto this Thursday night football game. Some noisy turnovers in that Thursday night football game. But outside of that,
1: Sunday was really where things picked up. What kind of car are you driving out there in Vegas? you driving something, you're driving a 96 Honda or I heard you're rocking something better? Oh, no, I got the Force 911. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Raheem driving in style in Las Vegas. Look out, celebrity. All right, Thursday night, Chiefs versus Chargers. That line, I think, opened up at three and a half. Chiefs favored by three and a half at home in Arrowhead Stadium. It's now stretched out to four and a half on FanDuel. I think you can still get minus 110 aside at four and a half. Chiefs favored at home. Total. I think opened around 51 and a half, 52 and a half, and is now out to 54 and a half. So some people backing a fireworks show uh, on the over in this game. I I don't know how much value is left on the spread in the total, right? I liked the Chiefs at three and a half, and I took some Chiefs. At minus three and a half, but I don't know if I love it at four and a half. And now that the total has been stretched from 52 to 54, I know this is a gambling podcast. I know we're supposed to be giving picks, but I don't know how much value is there with four and a half for the Chiefs. And now the total at 54 and a half. Do you see it a different way? Do you
3: see the line maybe having some value and some some inefficiency? Personally, I like the Chargers. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, look, there's a lot of trends that support this. A lot of times when teams have blowout wins in week one by 21 or more, they're 7-19. That's 27% the following week. So, I mean, look, a lot of times when you have those blowout wins week one, teams tend to over – I mean, players within the market tend to overreact to what they saw the, the first week of the season. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm going to be honest with you, as great as Kansas City look they beat uh, Arizona Cardinals team, which was, they look lifeless to me. I I think a lot of that, some of that was the Chiefs. You got to give Patrick Mahomes credit. You got to give Travis Kelsey credit. Obviously he had a dominant game, but I think a lot of that had to do with the Arizona Cardinals, which is why the Arizona Cardinals were bet up to six point underdogs against the Raiders this week. So to me, I think the value was on the Chargers at the four and a half. To me, look, I know the Chargers. They had a little disappointing into that game, where you know they didn't score in the fourth quarter. They only put up 43 yards on their last 21 um, <laughs> on 20. Excuse me, 21 plays. But I think the Chargers, to me, look. They played this team tough last year. I, I think they probably win this game outright. I'm gonna be honest with you. Wow,
1: so maybe some value at plus four and a half, maybe even some value on the Chargers on the money line. Let me talk about that Cardinals game first, and and why maybe I why I did bet Chiefs minus three and a half, and I don't see value at the four and a half mark. I like that three and a half, but I do like them to win this game. And the Arizona Cardinals, I agree with you, looked lifeless, but. And I've talked ad nauseum about Vance Joseph's decision to blitz Mahomes on 54% of his dropbacks. He had four TDs on that one. Vance Joseph, the only defense coordinator in NFL history to blitz Mahomes on more than 50% of his dropbacks in those two games. He's thrown nine touchdowns. Like, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not good. It doesn't work. Stop doing it. But... Looking just at non dropbacks, and I have to tip my cap to Steven Ruiz, who called out that they averaged 12.2 yards per dropback when they didn't blitz. Like Mahomes could do whatever he wants. And we talked about the Thursday night game earlier. Josh Allen was throwing with confidence. He looked unstoppable, easily a top three quarterback in this league. I thought Mahomes looked more confident. And that's without Tyreek Hill, right? He looked confident throwing to nine different receivers in that week one game. I was really impressed with this Mahomes led offense against a bad defensive game plan in Arizona. But even when they weren't blitzing, He was having a lot of success throwing to not Tyreek Hill, right? I do think that this Kansas City Chiefs team putting up 44 against Arizona is no fluke. And defensively, 50% of Kyler Murray's dropbacks, he was under pressure. George Karloftis, the rookie out of Purdue, was a force on that side of the ball. I think they could be a force against Los Angeles. A Los Angeles team that I'm crediting Ben Solak here calls out for not having early down efficiency. So 22nd in success rate on early downs in week one. On first downs alone, 30th in success rate. 26th in early down pass rate. That's too conservative for Justin freaking Herbert, a guy that is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, right behind Patrick Mahomes. And even Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, said we were too conservative late in that game. We were too conservative in the fourth quarter. I think that this Chargers team will be better than that and more aggressive in this Chiefs game. But I don't know if it will be enough. I don't think it will be enough for them to come, come into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs that know that this Chargers team is fiery, that, no, they have Justin Herbert, and, and they're going to come to play. I think the other piece of this, too, not sure if J.C. Jackson's playing. It's a short week. I think he was limited in his return to practice today, and it's looking unlikely Keenan Allen plays. No Keenan Allen, potentially no J.C. Jackson. I think that the value's still in the Chiefs. I hate to go head-to-head with you, Raheem. I know you're a professional better, but I like the Chiefs minus 3.5. I'm not betting them at 4.5, and, and I'm probably staying away from the total. Do you see
3: any value on the total? I, I heard maybe on the East Coast bias –
1: so you might be leaning towards the under. Where, where, where's your head on the total?
3: I mean, I, I mean, I personally, I can't take the under between these two teams. Obviously, they, you know, they they played last year and you got 62 points in the second game. And I think you got 54 in the first one. So to me, it's just I, I have trouble backing the under here. But I do think the Chargers defense, I mean, they play solid even without J.C. Jackson. I mean, a lot of that mm-hmm. had to do with the fact that the Raiders didn't they don't have a great offensive line. But I, I think they can get pressure on Mahomes, and, and they can do it without blitzing. Obviously, you got Kyle Mack. You got Joey Bosa. I mean, they pressured Derek Carr a ton last year. I mean, last week. So I'm personally not touching the total. I, I think this is one of those fire drill to- totals. I, I like to call them fire drill totals because you have two teams where they just they have dominant offenses, and it's almost like a rush to the window to get the best number. And obviously, you saw that get better from 51 to 54 and a half. I think you'll probably see some resistance, but I'm not going to be one of those guys trying to resist this. I mean, especially after last week. (laughs) Uh, I just, I got a feeling we're going to see a shootout. I want to say this too. And this isn't advanced
1: betting analysis. You're not going to find this at Wharton. You're not going to find this at PFF. But I don't want to root for the freaking under. I don't. I don't want to root for the under. I want to watch the two teams <laughs> just go at it. I, You know, I don't have to find value on every single bet. I can bet on other games. I can do other things. Can I just watch Patrick Freak Mahomes and Justin Herbert throw across the yard and go over 54? I will give you two bets, though. Two bets that I like. And last week on the show, I gave you the Stefan Diggs over six and, nine and a half receiving yards that hit. Another prop I like this week, Keaton Allen is out the number two receiver in routes run in week one for the Los Angeles Chargers behind Mike Williams was Josh Palmer. His total right now on Fandle, 50, no 44 reception yards at minus 114. I think that's an overspot. I think he goes over in what has to be a shootout if the Chargers are going to win. I do not think this is going to be a defensive battle. And let me hear, hear me out on this bet. You can bet right now, Los Angeles Chargers, if you think there's value, I know this is a happy middle for your boy. who has got Chiefs minus three and a half full game. Chargers plus mm-hmm. three and a half first half. Is one, minus one twenty on Fandle. I think that's value. Plus three and a half first half. I think is value on the
3: Chargers. I, I, I even at minus one twenty, I, I think that's another bet I'm going to hit. Interesting. That that is really interesting. Um, you know, i I might I might go with you there. Um, I I just think to me I, I like I think these teams are are closer than the market is showing right now. Um, and. You know, the four and a half is just a little too steep for me. So I think I'm going to find myself in the Chargers. And I honestly, I might sprinkle something on the money line. I'm going to be honest with you. I I have that much faith in this, this Chargers team. And to me, look, I almost feel like we're getting an extra point of value because of how they closed that game against the Raiders.
1: Yeah, Oh, I, I think that's fair. So Raheem on Chargers plus four and a half might even be sprinkling on the money line. I like Chargers plus three and a half first half. And I like Josh Palmer over 44 and a half receiving yards. I did have Chiefs minus three and a half. That number's not available. So we're not leaving you with that bet. Until next time on The Ringer Gambling Show, will Raheem be in Vegas again? Will he ha- Will he have a Porsche, a Bentley, a Lambo? It's hard to say. I really <laughs> appreciate our producer, Stefan Anderson, producing us the whole way through. Like I said, until next time, Austin Gale, Raheem Palmer, The Ringer Gambling Show.